In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful. Alif Lam Alif Lam Mim The Byzantines have been defeated. In the nearest land, but they, after their defeat, will overcome. Within three to nine years, to Allah belongs the command before and after, and that day the believers will rejoice. In the victory of Allah, He gives victory to whom He wills, and He is the exalted in might, the merciful. It is the promise of Allah. Allah does not fail in His promise, but most of the people do not know. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Radio Ramadan 87.7 FM. on medium wave 1530 and also we are on our website rr365.co.uk listen live uh, facebook feed on both radio ramadan and i syllabus uh, we've listened to the first few ayahs of surah ar-rum and i am your host zubair akram with my guest sheikh ridwan muhammad inshallah discussing bringing you the the commentary and the themes in this surah which is 30th surah of quran uh, it has 60 ayahs uh, and the first few ayahs translation in urdu alif lam mim rumi qareeb ki sarzameen mein maghloob ho gaye aur apni is maghloobiyat ke baad chand saal ke andar wo ghalib ho jayenge allah hi ka ikhtiyar hai pehle bhi aur baad mein bhi aur wo din wo hoga jab allah ki bakhshi hui fatah par musalman khushiyan manayenge اور وہ دن وہ ہوگا جب اللہ کی بخشی ہوئی فتح پر مسلمان خوشیاں منائیں گے اللہ نصرت عطا فرماتا ہے جسے چاہتا ہے اور وہ زبردست اور رحیم ہے یہ وعدہ اللہ نے کیا ہے اللہ کبھی اپنے وعدے کی خلاف ورزی نہیں کرتا مگر اکثر لوگ جانتے نہیں ہیں السلام علیکم شیخ السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ سو فرسٹ آف رمضان شیخ ان ان گلاسکو فار میجورٹی 
um, most of the mosques are doing uh, the, their first fast today and majority mm. of the community here in Glasgow, Alhamdulillah, is fasting today uh, in this year, 2022, um, 2nd of April. And I welcome you again with uh, reflections. Um, as we said yesterday, probably 15 odd years that we've been doing it consecutively, Alhamdulillah, bi mm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Surah Al-Rum is the surah that we've chosen for this uh, Ramadan. Uh, inshallah, 28 or so sessions that we will have and we'll cover the surah uh, with some understanding of how it is applicable to us uh, to uh, as individuals and also how does it inform our worldview, uh, the way we live and how we see things around us through uh, this surah. Um, and I was reading Urdu of uh, the, these ayahs and there are lots of questions that I have, inshallah, once we start, um, especially a few concepts of if everything is predestined, how do we rejoice on a victory that will somebody else would have, somebody else will have, somebody else is fighting, and we as mu'mins are asked to take sides and be happy about it. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I don't know what you want me to say because you're starting off with a very um, kind of terse tangent of the topic of the the chapter itself. So that's a question under a question under a question. So it's quite a um, kind of indirect piece of review right. research. Yeah. So this chapter, we we start we chose this chapter as I said before. You cho- you chose it. You felt felt it was a good idea to do this chapter specifically. In fact. You could take any chapter and make it relevant to um, the situation we're in. But Surah Rom is one that's um, is interesting because, you know, you can look at it in so many different ways. You can look at it purely from the point of view of where it was revealed, why it was revealed, at what time it was revealed in the time of the Prophet's own life journey and his own, you know, kind of receiving of revelation. So that makes sense in some way as well. Because it's a quite an early chapter. This comes around the year five or six in terms of the prophetic commissioning the Prophet was given the public designation as being the prophet and messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala announced it and around the time when the um all the skirmishes and the I would say the debates and discussions and interlocking between the Muslims and the Quraysh was becoming the most intense. You know, it's almost a sparring part of the of the time of the Meccan period. The Meccan period is the first part of the Seerah of the Prophet you know, after you go into Madinat Nawara. So it's a very intense period where there's lots of discussions, debates. And if you think about it, think about Hyde Park, you know, Hyde, Hyde Park is when, it's, it's before you start to get the real persecution. It's when they're testing out the waters, I would say. And both parties are trying to see to what degree is the other side serious in what they their intent is so that's what you do in sparring you kind of test and check and you know kind of build up your own um tenacity in in, in fighting and in this situation it's more about the fact that the prophet is coming with a quite a, a revolutionary even though the world or well, the word itself is um, um disingenuous it's not really always correct but a revolutionary kind of message which is turning out upside down the whole worldview of the Quraysh, which is very provincial and localized to the worship of idols and trade and 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 um you know trade and merchandise being bought from one place to another and sold and, and bought very kind of provincial concerns very kind of minute concerns that they had 
Whereas the Prosciusum is coming with a universal message of not just the unity of the Arab tribes, not just the unity of um, males in general, but it's a unity of every single human being on the basis of them being human being and every tribe and every nation based upon just being sons and daughters of Adam, being part of one ummah of da'wah. This, that he's telling everybody about this. There's such a revolutionary and fresh um, perspective. And in that, you can imagine the debates and discussions. And Surah Rome comes in the, in, 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 the, in the very juncture of that. Right in the middle of that, you have this chapter, which you can imagine it will be part and parcel of the, of the give and take of, of the discussions between the Quraysh and the, and the Muslims, which is that you know Islam is clearly coming with a message which goes against the pre-Islamic ideas of idol worship and idolatry and and the kind of traditions of their forefathers and take them to a completely different worldview, a different vista of experience, which is the vista of monotheism and the, and the, the prophets and the books. So the prophet Ibrahim, the prophet Isa, the prophet Yusuf, all these prophets that we mentioned, they're almost alien to, to Quraysh in some way. You can mm. say that, you know, they're thinking of this is, you know, this is what they're thinking about, the three golden idols that they worship and adore. And so within that, you have, the, I think the only, probably the only time where a, a, a skirmish or a war that takes place at the time of the Prophet or of two powers and superpowers that are around at the time of the Prophet are mentioned directly in the Qur'an, almost like a news flash. Mm-hmm. You know, because the Qur'an does talk about things that happened at the time of the Prophet it, it It copies the conversations and makes use of the conversations that are taking place on a day-to-day basis at the time the Prophet in terms of what is said and what should be said to people. This only time what's mentioned is almost like a, a breaking news where it mentions the Romans, the Byzantine Empire and the Sassanid Persians for a purpose, not just for a reason of reflecting over you know great nations and how they the rise and fall, as we all know, the rise and fall, but because of some kind of significance for some reason with the central call of the Prophet which is one side is closer to us than the other mm-hmm. is that we um, you know we end up discussing things and we end up talking about things and um, I think my camera's gone off again it's a problem no, uh, we, we can hear you you can but... hear me but I, my camera's gone off so it's, I don't know if it's a problem my camera's gone off but um, I can try and um, rejig this, but oh, you can see me again. It's a different yeah, camera. From a different camera. So, <laughs> so this is a completely different angle. So we'll, we'll, we'll sort this out. But essentially what happens is that the Quraysh are told that you have one side and the Muslims have another side and the, and the natural you know, affinity that the Muslims will have will be to towards the Byzantine Roman Empire because of the fact that they acknowledged and uh, upheld Christianity, Orthodox Christianity. Hmm. And therefore, the natural, you know, quote-unquote bedfellows of the of the uh, the Quraysh will be the Sassanid Persian Empire, which was much more, uh, you know, endeared towards the worship of idols and superstition and the the kind of the, the kind of traditions of forefathers rather than a real book. And so, what happened in these discussions that took place between the Muslims and the Quraysh, you know, the kind of almost quasi Hyde Park context, was that the Quraysh used to say, look. We've just heard 
that the Persians have decimated the Byzantine Roman Empire. In other words, the people on our side has, have beaten the beat people on your side. And therefore, if this is happening now at an international level, say, and a geopolitical level, then obviously you, the, the, the teaching of your prophet is obviously going to go the same way. It's going to end up failing. And so this is a, a way of mocking the companions of Prophet Ali Salatu Wasallam. This is a way of, of denigrating their, their da'wah. And remember, this is before persecution. It's very important to understand this is before the kind of torture and the expulsion and the boycotting, all these things that take place. This is at the point where you can still debate and engage. And so what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to make sure that they paid, take notice to this is, is quite interesting um, for numerous reasons. I mean, if you were to do, I don't know if you've done marketing or okay. journalism or something, you know, um, I think there's something that to do with you should own up to what what the news is and not try and hide it. I mean, there's all this stuff happening about, um, you know, in Russia, yeah. people say that Russia is doing really badly in terms of the war, and um, you know, and they're hiding all the bad news and all the rest of it. And so, what generally you should do is as soon as possible just take ownership of bad news. And the reason for that is then you can move on. Because the news cycle moves on and then the next piece of news comes. What you don't want to happen is that the what's, you try and hide the news or you try and create a different scenario which doesn't exist. And then you have to later on justify why you told a lie, essentially. Hmm. And so what does the Quran say? It says, Alif la mim. It starts off by saying, look, there's a big announcement because we're using these, what are called the muqatti'at. The muqatti'at are these um, cut, broken, um, disjointed, letters of the Quran unconnected to each other in terms of you know the structure of a sentence or a, or a word or a phrase but they're used usually Ar-Razi says and others Al-Baqalani also says something similar which is to draw attention to people of the fact that what's coming up is extremely important because this is outside the usual use of language so mm. you know imagine if there's a fire what do you say you don't make a, a, a sentence or a speech up saying well, people, I'm coming to you, and there, there's a very serious announcement here, which is that there's a fire breaking out. You just shout or you just say the word to get people's attention. Mm, and what happens fire. here is, yes, yeah, a fire, or you know, just scream or whatever it is, so that you get the attention of people. And you know, Imam Bakalan used to talk about, you know, he talked about the the the, the in general, these letters, that mystical, cryptic letters, and said, you know. It's either an announcement of something important to come or it's a challenge to people to bring the like of the Qur'an because the Qur'an is only made up of these, of these letters, individual letters brought together that you can write and I can write and everybody can read and recite but cannot, we cannot put them together in the way that the Qur'an puts them together in this coherent, um, rhetorical, you know, kind of inimitable whole which is the Qur'an al-Kareem. Mm -hmm. And so the reason for that is because the news that's going to come, it's almost like, you know, for me, it's almost like the ownership of the bad news. And it's breaking it to the people who are the Muslims who didn't want to hear this news. Because what did they want to hear? They wanted to hear that the, the, the Persian Sassanids had been decimated by people who worshipped one God. And therefore, it's a good omen for the future, if you see what I mean. You know, because basically what's being said is the, the Byzantium. Uh were where Muslims uh, sympathized with, right? 
Yeah, and they're, they're, it's, it's the, I think they would they, you would say that they're the natural bedfellows or the natural um, you know group of people that the Muslims would you know you know kind of you know gravitate towards because um, they believe in the same God ostensibly believe in the same prophets believe in the same idea of a whole um, line of of prophecy that came from Adam alayhi salatu wasalam. and you know in that sense. There seems to be a lot to be said of the, to the fact that um, naturally we feel that they're the people that we want to be um, supporting. If you want to kind of be very crude in terms of football parlance, it's the team that we want to support because um, they're on the same side generally because they believe in the same kind of you know um, belief systems, and that's exactly what um, the Prophet you know essentially would be saying. But what happens here is something different. What happens here is that. The Quran says, and who's it telling? I would say the, the people it's addressing are the believers. And this is bad news. This is, I mean, this is as bad news as it can get. You know, what you use in your debates and discussions with the Quraysh saying, you know, the Romans will over, over, overcome the Sassanid Persian polytheists or crypto polytheists is no, no longer, is not longer the case. What happened is the people we wanted to win have actually been decimated in a very, um, you know, you know, not in a not in a kind of skirmish. This is like serious. This is Damascus, sixteen twelve being being um, taken over. This is Jerusalem being taken over. Like this is the center of uh, Orthodox Christianity in the the Near East, and, and so you can't over by the, the Persians, um, Persians, the Persian Sassanids, so and so. So 1612 is is the time, and the area is Damascus. Um, so it's greater Palestine, greater Syria. Yeah, and this is where this battle is happening, and Romans have been defeated now. The Romans have been seriously defeated. It's not like a, it's it's not even you know you could say this is a kind of um, a skirmish, and um, there was some losses on both sides, and the Persians mm. said they won. They took control over the most important cities of the ancient world. I mean, think of Jericho, Ariha in, in, in Palestine, Jerusalem. Think of um, Damascus. Ariha is Jericho's oldest inhabited you know, town in the, in the world, you know, walled town. Damascus also lays claim to the same title. Jerusalem is Jerusalem, you know. Mm. That is, you don't have to give an introduction to what Jerusalem is. And so it's not as if they won in the desert and they won a battle and they and then they kind of were unable to take the major city centers. They took them. Yeah, civilization. And so, really. the and civilization so the, yeah, they took the civilizational centers that had any importance. And then what's interesting for me is the Quran how it how it um, how it places this discussion. It says Rum. You know, it's this thing. Just own it. Own the fact that our people, our team, the people that we wanted and prayed. And used as proof that God's, you know, guidance to people is true, and 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 essentially the Muslims would become, you know, dominant over the Quraysh. That's now not no longer the case. Why did the Quran do that? Because think about it. You know, think of it happening yourself. Imagine you use this as a proof, and you're telling people, look, you know, we believe in um, God, and guess who other who else does? The other people, and now they're getting absolutely decimated hmm. and defeated. And being unsuccessful every turn, you probably not even mention it. You'd say, "Well, they have their own religion. They're they're 
you know, they, they turned their back on Islam. They've not accepted Islam. And so they're on their own side. And what's happening there is no relevance to the truth of what we're seeing. Why would the Quran make mention of a, a defeat? What You know, what's the cost-benefit analysis of using a defeat and mentioning it right at the beginning of a chapter? Hmm. Why so are you publicizing your own, your own feelings, basically? Yeah, yeah. The Romans have been defeated, but the, the, the following ayah is that... No, no, but no, no, not the following ayah. The yeah. point is, why even broach the topic? Unless mm. you've got something, you know, proverbially, you know, metaphorically under your sleeve, that is going to just change the complexion of how people view this book. Do you understand? There's no point, there's no reason, there's no logic in mentioning this verse, this instance, in this place, unless there's something way behind this, what apparently seems to be a, a, a defeat, which is a challenge. It's a challenge. And you would say that's almost a prophecy. And you would say it's almost like a mu'jiza. So it's like a, you get a, 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 you know, kind of a windfall of different terms and, and concepts that come up. Because each one is equally valid because the Quran is, is saying, okay, you want a challenge? This is a challenge, you know. This is it was like a bet, you know, and and this is, will come up, you know, later on. There is a kind of idea of, of, of a bet here in 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 the books of Sirah around this specific verse. But the point is, that this happens around the year five, year six. This is the same time when other people are being challenged, you know, from the the geopolitical nation, international, um, you know, standing, you know, big big nations, the big two nations, big two superpowers. All the way down to, you know, individuals like the uncles of the Prophet Abu Lahab, is revealed roughly around the same time. And what you know, think of it. That, what is that? That's exactly the same thing. Why would the Quran put its own validity and truthfulness and relevance and enduring nature on the line just to have a discussion with? One of the relatives of the Prophet who refused to accept Islam, because Abu Jahl was one of the greatest enemies of the Prophet And then, why would the Quran say the two hands of perish of, of Abu, Abu Abu Lahab have been have been perished? Yeah, hmm. unless by stating that it is saying this is going to be a proof that all of the Quran is true, hmm. because you know, because Abu Lahab could easily, straight after the verse, become Muslim and, and, read, and read in Qur'an prayer, Tabbat yada abi lahabin watab. What could he do? He could read those verses in the prayer behind the Prophet or lead the prayer reading that. And right away people would say, well, that, how does that make sense? Because you, what does that mean? You're going to hellfire and you're a believer. You're saying you're a believer and you're praying, you're fasting. And so they would have to ask the Prophet Sallallahu why is he a Muslim when he knows he's going to hell? Hmm. And what's interesting, he never clicked. It never clicked to him that he could do that. He could mock it. Hmm. Hmm. And so that was a challenge at the most microscopic level, like the kind of most, more, most personal level on this kind of mu'jizah saying, okay, if you want to prove the Qur'an is wrong, there's a proof from the Quran itself that this is uh, going to be a prophecy which will come true. 
Mm. And he mm. dies on the state of deep, you know, deep entrenched kufr, proving that the Quran was correct. And at the same moment when these debates are taking place, the Quran takes it from the microscopic level, which is, you know, uncles and and, and nephews. This is essentially what the Prophet's relationship to Abu Lahab is, to the highest macro, you know, microscopic to macroscopic. Hmm. It's like telescopic almost. We're saying, okay, you know, the big, the biggest empires the world has ever seen, the Byzantines and the Rome and the Romans. Um, on the one side, and then the sorry, the Byzantine Romans are essentially the same, and then the Sassanid Persians on the other. We're going to tell you something about them as well that they could obviously show the Quran to be a complete hoax, which is we accept and we know and we'll announce, in fact, in public for public record that the that Byzantine Romans have been defeated. Own it because by owning it, we can build on that, which is we'll tell you where it happens. In the lowest point of the earth, and them, and them, these people, which are the Byzantines, after their defeat, they shall gain victory. They shall then they will then get into a state of victory. Now that's a prophecy. Now there's so many prophecies in that verse that you you're essentially saying, well, the Quran is essentially putting its validity its truthfulness on the line in a way that is actually beyond courageous. You know, if, if you were to take the, the case of an atheist um, logic here and say, well, the Quran is made up by the Prophet then the Prophet essentially would be digging a hole for himself by making such a claim, you know, claim upon claim upon claim, essentially. So if it wasn't true and this was incorrect, we'd be reading this as a, as a part of history, saying there's a person... Who made up a book and he prophesied certain things in such detail and all of them went the opposite. You understand? Like, mm. why why not just say some cryptic thing like, oh, the armies have met and, and one has been defeated. Don't worry, because God guides whom he wills. You know, something you you can understand something very vague that yeah. would just yeah. cover cover your back if you're making this up. Yeah, you can come out get out of it. <laughs> Time you want, yeah. yeah. This is how you know these false prophets always work. You know these these kind of um, sorcerers and, and and magicians. They kind of cover their back with kind of vague illusions. The Quran cannot be. I don't think it can be any clearer because it mentions the, the, the nation, and it mentions that they've been defeated. It's obvious who the, who's defeated them because it doesn't have. In fact, it doesn't have to mention the person because it's so obvious. Everyone knows. It would be frivolous, and and unneeded to say. The Persians have defeated the Romans. The Romans have been defeated is enough because everyone knows who they're fighting. And then the Quran says exactly where it is, fi Adna al-Ard, which Adna al-Ard is either the closest part of the world to them, which is not part of the Arab tribal region, or one reading is that Adna al-Ard is the lowest part of the earth, meaning, you know, you you could people, you know, most scholars in the past said it was the closest part in a close place, which is you know, um, in the environs of um, southern, you know, southern, you know, environments of Damascus and lower Syria and Jordan, you could say that, and it be it would be close to the Arab nations. And the other meaning is that Adn al-Ard is this lowest part of the earth, and that is, I mean, the, I mean, it's beyond, um, you know, amazement that you you kind of say, okay, 
the lowest part meaning you mean literally lowest and when you look at it essentially literally is the lowest like the the the, the, the skirmishes that took place in the battle that took place essentially we're at the parts of the land which are the lowest parts of the earth which are on the face of the earth hmm. And the, the Urdu translation is Rumi Kareeb ki sarzameen mein maghloob ho gaye. So, and then there is another uh, in English in the neighboring land. Mm-hmm. But so we're saying the fi adnal ard also could mean the lower part of the land. The lowest part. Adna. Lowest adna. Part. Dani adna um, from Danu, which is to be close. Or it can also be adna, which is to be low and, and um, low lying. Ah, adna, same in Urdu. Yeah, adna. Adna gulam. Yeah, Adna yeah, Ghulam is like the lowest, lowest to low. And so what we know is the battle site ostensibly was in, in the lowest part on earth. Hmm. And so why why mention you know such detail? And then also why mention um the fact that after their defeat they will then become uh, victorious? Because there's no reason, because this is this is such a major victory that your major population centers, such as Jerusalem and Damascus, have been completely captured, and all the kind of views on the the year is sixteen twelve. You said right? I mean, that's the year. I think they they conquer um, Damascus. I think sixteen thirteen, the year after they conquer Jerusalem. But this is precipitated just before that. So you know, a year or two before that would be when that would take place. And so, you know, there's kind of a slow kind of um, movement towards, um, you know, taking land, creating um, very serious blows to the, the Byzantine Empire. And then at a certain point, it becomes as if, you know, historians said, well, the, the Byzantine Empire was basically on its knees and, and, the, and the Romans would not be able to defend Constantinople, which was the center of the, the Orthodox Christian nation at that time the byzantine emperor was centered in constantinople and so it was just a matter of time 612 not 1612 right yeah 612 sorry yeah 612 yeah yeah. and so you're you're left thinking well it's a matter of time until the 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 persians get what they wanted which was a, a a route all the way through to constantinople and the seat of the ottoman empires you know which was later the ottoman empire which is now istanbul it's a matter of time. So why would the Quran then say that they will, after their de- defeat, sayaglibun? You know, sayaglibun, meaning that they will not sofa yaglibun, meaning like sofa and seen in Arabic, they have the same meaning, which means in the future. Hmm. But the Quran uses sayaglibun. Yes, sayaglibun is when you read it, it indicates. Okay, is this is this a passing event? Hmm. The the people who have lost are now about to gain victory, and then it goes to into the realm of the fantastic by saying, sinin, within the period of sinin. in Arabic, you know, according to the classical pre-Islamic usage of bid'ah, is something that is under ten, but above two. Because two, you would ha- you would use a jewel for it grammatically, and if it's over that, you wouldn't use bidr. So essentially, it's cutting it to nine to three. Hmm. And so, 
what happens, the Quran is saying, you know, okay, you've got the, the it's basically, you know, it's like, and it's like ticking a clock now and saying, okay, we're making this prediction that this is going to happen in this period of time. The people that, are, that have, have been destroyed and decimated are later on going to become victorious. And so this verse, sorry, this chapter, the beginning of it, and the time when it takes place, and the other things that are happening, which is almost like prophecies that you can now check and study and follow through are being made in very deep deep clarity not vague ambiguous you know kind of um you know kind of you know kind of cloudy smoky kind of half prophecies these are full-on prophecies that this will happen and th this gives you an idea of the time of the prophet when he's there teaching and calling people to islam this is the moment when it's about engaging with ideas and engaging with, with proofs. And mm. at this point, the Prophet brings proofs that are essentially going to de you know, kind of I think I think you'd probably say um, you know, make the Quraysh unable to respond. And they will therefore lash on lash on to the, the Muslim community with vengefulness and, and 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 kind of aggression because of the fact that the arguments are being won. So, uh, reflections with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad, uh, commentary on, uh, of uh, Surah Al-Rum, the 30th Surah of Quran, uh, with 60 ayahs. Um, and inshallah, we, through some questions and through uh, some conversation, uh, we will bring out the the themes uh, of this Surah, uh, the, the important uh, lessons possibly, and the deep points that we should understand while we read Quran. Uh, time for a short break, and inshallah, we'll be back with Sheikh Rizwan after this break. Uh, Alif Lam Mim, Ghulibatir Room, Surah Room is what's under uh, discussion right now. Um, after the break, uh, we will be back with a small knot and then continuing with this commentary. Bashir जो सर्वसर है कलाम वो मेरे की जिंदगी है सब तुम्हारा करम है आका Yakam Ramadan Mubarak, Radio Ramadan Pe program Reflections. I am your host, Zubair Akram, and I am your host, Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Today, we have Surah Al-Rum, which is Quran Hakim ki Tismi Surah, and its Sart Ayat. We have a Tadai Chandaiton Pe, Sheikh Se, Unke Mani, or Matalib Ko Samajre. We covered Ke Hamne Ispe cover Kiake. اللہ تعالیٰ نے اس کلام پاک میں جس طرح سے اس کو شروع کیا ہے وہ بدات خود غور کرنے کے قابل ہے کہ اس پہ غور کیا جائے کہ اتنی بڑی خبر کا جو تاریخ پہلو ہے اسے پہلے پیش کیا گیا اور اس کے بعد 
مسلمانوں کے لیے گویا ایک ڈھارس کا سامان کیا گیا کہ علی فلام میم رومی قریب کی سرزمین میں مغلوب ہو گئے اور یاد رہے کہ رومی جو لوگ تھے وہ مسلمانوں کے دل کے قریب تھے اور مسلمانوں کی ہمدردیاں رومی لوگوں کے ساتھ تھیں کیونکہ ان کا مقابلہ جو تھا وہ آتش پرست قوم کے ساتھ تھا فارس کے لوگوں کے ساتھ اور اللہ رب العزت نے یہ بتایا کہ رومی قریب کی سرزمین میں مغلوب ہو گئے اور نبی صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم نے جب ان آیات کا اعلان کیا اور اس کے بعد اگلی آیت اور اپنی اس مغلوبیت کے بعد چند سال کے اندر وہ غالب ہو جائیں گے اور پھر یہ بتایا گیا کہ اللہ ہی کا اختیار ہے پہلے بھی اور بعد میں بھی سو شیخ is the fact that this chapter is actually not about um wars it's not about the byzantines or the persians at all it will it will essentially the the chapter in and of itself is actually about the the, the amazing signs of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in creation and the degree of responsibility that human beings have on earth and the the purpose of human life and the human project what's the purpose of human beings so why do we live interesting you say human project what does that mean like why do humans exist like why do we build cities why do we um write why do we have families why do we earn a living you know why do we do what we do the way we do it how do we treat the environment how do we treat individuals how do we know what truth is that's essentially what the chapter is about which is essentially going right back to what the prophet came with at that time which was telling people about the general truths of what the purpose of human beings is you know where are you going what's your purpose you know what's the what's the purpose of getting up in the morning and uh, where is happiness that's essentially what the quran was calling people to at the time of this these chapters and so this um this kind of tangent off to geopolitics and the battles in the byzantines and the and the sassanids essentially is to going off script and the only reason um you can make sense of why it's going off script is that you know it's like i said alif lam mim these kind of words and and kind of words or disjointed letters are used to bring attention to something that's very important and so it's almost as if you know when you you want to sell something you have um you know i i was watching something about you know walmart walmart if they want to sell something it sells sells it below cost price mm-hmm. for certain items so that people come in and they make the footfall happens and then they sell make their money on other things mm-hmm. and so they have certain things that they always make a loss on but the loss is made up by the fact that the people that buy that come in and buy so many other things that walmart which is there to make money makes money and so the maqsood which is the purpose is achieved by doing something which seems illogical which is to draw 
yourself towards a weakness or a, um, you know, a, a shortcoming, which is to make a loss. Hmm. And so, in the Quran here, essentially, you could you could make argument that the Quran is headlining the fact that the the Quraysh are correct. Uh-huh. I mean, is that the case? You're doing their, their drawing the attention. Yeah, is getting their attention. And that's yeah, it. but by by what? By um by basically making make it's like creating a newspaper and then doing your enemies, you know, propaganda for them. We've lost. You know, imagine you're you're, you're Russian Putin and you've got the state media and you say we have lost. Mm-hmm. Why why are you going to do that? Because you might want to say, well, we've lost now, but we're not going to lose in the long term because look what's happened. Look how the world scenario situation has changed. The Quran essentially says, you know, the people we had our hope in, I mean, the Quraysh, the Muslims had their hope in, have lost. But guess what? They're going to win. And this is this is the kind of intrigue that we'll have. We'll, we'll start a clock and you have to now watch. Are they going to be victorious after having faced defeat? Almost a final defeat. And the reality is that will happen way into the future. But as this chapter is being revealed, remember that's still way in the future. So the Quran is saying, it's saying, okay, now you have to wait. And people will say, well, oh, we don't have time to wait. And mm. then because it's got your attention, now it's going to tell you about the amazing power of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, creative power of God, the signs in the heavens and the earth of the fact that God is one, the teaching of the prophets and the purpose of life. A few years, like... Um... Jan Sal. So I don't see fi mm-hmm. So is it hidden in in there that it's going to be in a few years? Yeah, so the Arabic, the, I mean the Arabic words have very specific meanings. So every word, you know, Adn al Art can mean two things. It can mm-hmm. mean the closest part of the of the of the earth, you know, the civilizational earth to the Arabs, which would be Byzantine Persian. Or it would be the lowest part of the earth, which is very specific in terms of ge- geologically low. In terms of what do we mean? We mean below sea level. We meant if the world was covered with water, at what point would the sea level itself out? This is below sea land, below sea level. Hmm. So So that comes up to be almost the exact place, and so that's very specific, you know, geologically, geographically, and then the other specific thing is that. It tells you who will be victorious and then when they'll be victorious. And the mm. when is in Bidr. Bidr in Arabic can only be used from something above two and less than nine. So it says, okay, two years, don't 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 watch news for two years. After mm. two years, keep watching. Three, four, five, six, boom, there it goes. And mm. it's exactly what happens. You know, within that period of time, you have the you know major um, victory of, of, of the Byzantine Roman um, Empire over the Persians in Iasis, I think it was, near, again, in the in Greater Sham, near the Taurus Mountains. That victory is essentially one that reverses the, the, vict- the, the victories that the Persians had. Hmm. And then it becomes clear that that is exactly what it is. You know, it's almost like the clock is ticking and then, and then all of a sudden you have a massive victory which is etched in 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 history generally not just because it's mentioned the quran but completely separate to it from what islam is and that is then the prophecy becoming real Hmm. 
And so you have this, you know, big item, news item, which is there, and you have to wait for it to mature to realize that it's, it's correct. Yeah, well, just, just an image uh, or, or just kind of like a, a picture of how many Muslims there were, uh, what kind of community it was at the time when this news was given to them. I mean, if it's the fifth, sixth century, fifth, sixth year of, of the revelation, mm. it, it'll be just prior to probably, I mean, according to most schools, it'll be just prior to the the need to emigrate to Abyssinia. So I think so that's what. Less, less than 70 people. It, well, yeah, I, I would say less than 70, you know, 60, you know, 50. You're talking about not many. You're talking about people affiliated and interested, but not in those numbers. It's more mm. of a. Uh, interlocker situation between the Prophet and his very close companions and the major kingpins of the Quraysh arguing and debating over this idea of whether people should be free and equal or not. Mm. And in that context, you're able to argue, you're able to to you know challenge like you know Abu Lahab is challenged like you're perished. And mm. and so then the kind of context is one where you know, once the Quraysh realize they can't argue their case well, they're going to resort resort to force. And so the Quran before that just provides, you know, a couple of very poignant prophecies. And remember the, the issue of prophecies is interesting because like mu'jizat, which is which is kind of miracles and prophecies, you know, generally in, in, in books of Aqidah, they talk about um mu'jizat as being something that you that a person who claims prophecy or message, messengership from God does against the natural laws of nature with a challenge for people to do the opposite. Mm. So basically, you know, I will make these, you know, snakes into, or these staffs into snakes, or I will bring this person alive. You do the, you do the same or do the opposite. So the challenge. And so what generally happens is, in the life, the life of the Prophet Ali was very, very few times, apart from the very early periods of the Prophet life, where he said, you know, in one instance is when he went to the Quraysh and took some pebbles and said, will you testify that I'm the God, messenger of God if these stones testify? Hmm. So that's a, that's a classical example of a, 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 a mu'jizah. And the Prophet does that extremely rarely. There's only but two examples in, in, in the whole... Um, Sirah the Prophet, where he actually says, "If I do this, will you become Muslim?" Like mm. something miraculous, not something like, "Well, if I, you know, the famous um, instance of him, you know, wrestling um, a very famous wrestler in Mecca, Mukarrama, and he refused to become Muslim." But that was through physical force. But mm. to do something that's impossible very rarely happened. Apart from here, this a prophecy is a clear prophecy in the future. The prophecy of Abu Lahab is a very clear prophecy in the future. And so these prof these calls to prophecy are coming out when the Muslims are, you know, very few. They're not yet feeling the full brunt of the the torture of the Quraysh and the and the and the harm of the Quraysh. That becomes more and more and more progressive just prior to the instance of Ta'if and the Isra and Mi'raj and the, the point at which the, the Muslims have to leave for Abyssinia. This is an opening where Muslims can still debate and, and discuss. And at this mm. point, this 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 um, story comes up, which which really does leave people thinking, okay, we need to actually wait and see whether this 
clear prophecy about two superpowers is going to come true or not. And, you know, in one sense, it's it's indicating the fact that the people that the Muslims had affinity towards, which is the Byzantine Christians, would in the end gain victory. And that's in and of itself another, you know, another topic. Yeah. So um, th this, this bit of um, ayah here, Hmm. Really interested in that one. How um, it's the day when Muslims will rejoice, hmm. and there are only a handful at the time, right? So, well, no, because this is the whole. This, this, this. These verses are really, really, um, you know, kind of complex, interlocked deep with meaning to the point that I don't think you know it's possible to unpack them all without really going into some kind of um, sketch of things you know like a kind of a, a visual sketch of what's happening because you have to think okay the, the chapter starts with this announcement it says the bad news and it tells you where it happened so it tells you like it's almost like it's almost like having a live feed. This is where it happened, the lowest part of the earth, etc., etc. Um, but then it says, but don't worry, because it's all good, because they're gonna they're gonna be victorious in a number of years. Yeah. And then the Quran says, amru min qablu wa min ba'd. Which just seems to be in the you actually missed you missed it out because you didn't actually ask what that meant. Because it seems to be just mentioned with no no purpose at all. Yeah, al min qablu. You know, Allah power belongs to Allah before and after, meaning before the victory and after the victory. Okay, what's the what's the what's the what's the point of that? Yeah. So, no, what do you mean before the victory and after the victory? The, the, in Arabic, so this thing about Arabic language, which um, which pulls its own punch, which is you, this one. You know, Dhamma or Fatha or Kasra or Tanween can make such a big difference. So, Lillahi Al-Amru, that to God belongs and God is the owner of the affair, meaning the affair Amr here means everything that happens. Al-Amr is basically the command of God and mm -hmm. what comes out of that. When? Min Qablu wa Min Ba'du. Min Qablu means before, and you have to picture everything that happened before this event. Victories, defeats, people, you know, chemical reactions from the, the point that Allah created the cosmos. Not before the victory. It's not saying the victory. It means everything prior but that it, has is happened. It not quantum, is it not the context? The context is that a news has been given. Mm -hmm. One community wins and the other one has lost. Mm -hmm. Muslims affiliated their um, sentiments with Romans mm -hmm. and they had lost mm -hmm. and now power belongs to Allah before and after, before the victory and after victory. No, no, because they lose or whether they win. Yeah, because this is the thing but of the grammar. They is... lose because Allah did not want them to win. Mm -hmm. they, they won because Allah is powerful and they lost. Absolutely. That's how you see it in English because you have to say in English, you have to. I don't know how the translation is in English, but they would say before the victory and after the victory. Yeah, well, that's not the right the translation. Allah power belongs to the <clears throat> all 
power belongs to Allah both before and after. Yeah, exactly. Before and after. Not before the victory and after the victory. This yeah. is almost like saying, you know, people win, people lose. You know, truth wins, truth ends up losing, you know, temporarily. These things happen. But God is God. I mean, the existence, the, the proof of God and the worthiness of God to be worshipped is not connected to somebody winning or not. Somebody mm -hmm. being in the ascendancy or having a greater GDP or having a bigger military might or having most power on the earth or having the ability to speak on the United Nations floor and make, you know, meaning everything just belongs to God before time and before space. Because Qablu by Dhamma, you know the Dhamma there, the reason I'm saying this is because the Dhamma here means it doesn't restrict it to an event. Qablu. Okay. Could you can have Qablu. Qablu. So it's not Qabl. Qabli is Qablu. You know, it's not Tanween. So if you had Tanween, you'd understand an event or something. Okay. So and and so that means God can has complete control of the affairs of everything before and after time. Because this is irrelevant. God is God, worthy of worship, whether people worship him or not. You know, this is why the definition of Allah is al-ma'bud bil-haq, the one that's worshipped in truthfulness. You know, whether somebody worships him or not, acknowledges or not, doesn't make any difference to the fact that he's God. And so here is saying, okay, within this whole detail of a victory and defeat and prophecy, it does not, it will not change, even if it was true or not, the fact that God has the control of the affair mm. in the past and in the future, unendingly, in all times, because he is deserving of that. So that's like, you know, it's almost like going into the big, big truth, which is, it's not a big deal anyway, but it's a prophecy. And it will be a big deal because it's such a, you know, a, a, a prophecy of truthfulness, which proves the Prophet is a, is a prophet of God. That is a big deal, but even in that context, it's almost as if the Quran is saying, you know, God has complete control over the affair, whether it's before or after anything takes place. Like God is beyond beyond time, beyond space, beyond these skirmishes of superpowers and wars, and you know, because you can get caught up in events that are taking place and read so much into them, like the current situation in, in Russia and Ukraine. Mm -hmm. You can become fixated on the news cycle and say, Well, it's a sign of the end of time. Yeah, because the Prophet Asim, you know, you know, you know, the Prophet said that if you find yourself at the end of time and you have in your hands a sapling that you're about to plant, then plant it. Hmm. Because the end of the time, what does it make if it's the beginning or end? The point is, what what are you doing? And here, the big point is that God has control of the beginning and the end. That's kind of. So that that you know that statement of God having control at the beginning and the end is like a istidraj, which is istidrak, which is like a, a sentence which is placed between a topic, just to set you straight. Is this there as a statement standing on itself? It seems this is a in the middle of something beautiful word of if you hear something bad happening. And <laughs> you feel a little down <laughs> with that. Lillahil amru min qablu wa min baad. Yani Allah ki taqat Allah hi ki hai. Taqat Allah hi ki hai. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah it's, it's one for good times and bad times. It's like um, 
it was um i think it was one of the khulafa he had he asked one of his um spiritual um mentors to 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 write down an inscription for his ring hmm. that would when he was happy it would make him sad and when he was sad it would make him happy so basically the same statement would make him happy and sad and it said even this will pass Allah. if he was happy and he looked at it and he would say oh goodness yes and so when he was sad he would look at it and say even this will pass so essentially you know essentially we get so caught up in you know now in the uk what is it price rises for fuel and i was actually speaking to somebody and asking why is it not rights in the street because people's bills are going up by 100 percent but anyway that's a different topic the point is within the trauma of people's lives and there's serious trauma in people's lives within the happiness of people people's lives and there is serious within the madness of the world you have to take a step aside, meaning that you're nothing. You're really insignificant in the in the in the whole grand scheme of things. If it wasn't for the fact that Allah is concerned about your 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 um your happiness and your your felicity, it makes it completely amazing. Subhanallah. So, today's ki ye jo ayat hai na, Subhanallah. Sorry, um, um, when I understand it, I understand in, in my language, and that is ke. <laughs> اور وہ وہ دن ہوگا جب اللہ کی بخشی ہوئی فتح پر مسلمان خوشیاں منائیں گے لیکن اس سے پہلے بہت ہی مزے مزے کی چیز ہے جو کہ شیخ نے بھی کہا کہ ہاں یہ ورد ہو سکتا ہے کہ اللہ ہی کا اختیار ہے پہلے بھی اور بعد میں بھی اللہ ہی کا اختیار ہے پہلے بھی اور بعد میں بھی سبحان اللہ اللہ اکبر للہ الامر من قبل و من بعد and the last part of this ayah uh, this is also important Sheikh. So, uh, you know whatever is happening in around us it, it's insignificant because Allah exists and will exist and will continue mm. to exist mm. yeah and then it says and, and that is you know it's, it's, it's saying the prophecy will happen and coming you coming back to the day-to-day, which is victory, who's winning, who's going to who's going to be defeated. Allah says, okay, there is going to be happiness, but that is the day of happiness for the believers. The day of the victory of the Romans over the Persians. The day, not because of the victory, but the day itself. Hmm. At that time, you know, day meaning Yawma Idin is like at that time. And what's significant about this is like you're time traveling now between this, which is the year five or six, roughly, in the Meccan period, all the way to essentially the, the period of the season of Badr, which mm. is taking place almost to the the moment of the battle between the Persians and the and the um, the, the Sassanids, Sassanids and the and the Byzantines, and the and the happiness of the believers is not because of the victory of the the Byzantines over the Sassanids, it's because you have the battle of Badr, and so and so you're actually mind boggled to this this kind of intermixing of different narratives, which is the 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 happiness is because of a completely different thing, which is their own victory given by God, you know, God given to them due to their perseverance and their truthfulness and their sincerity. It just happens that it also um, coincides with another great victory for one superpower over the other. And, and therefore the Quran, 
you know, it is is it is kind of amazing how the Quran just jumps between time frames and doesn't mention in 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 you know in exact detail, but it just says, okay, if that's going to happen in within three to nine years, what's going to happen? It's not what you thought, which is the Byzantines going to win. Hmm. They did. Something else bigger is going to happen, which is the Quraysh who are arguing with the Prophet about the fact that he's irrelevant, is now going to be the head of an army which is going to decimate them. You know, all the greatest leaders of the Quraysh are decimating the Battle of Badr. And that is the day within which Allah says, on that day, on that time, at that period, the believers will have this intense state of farah, which is elation. Farah is like enjoyment, elation, um, it's kind of an enchantment of the soul, which is eventually going to take place. Be Nasrillah by the victory of God. And that's it. That's the victory is the Battle of Badr. And this is a prophecy of the Battle of Badr in the year five after the Prophet had been given public notice of, of being the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, this is like mind-boggling at different levels. But that's it. The Quran is, is a mind-boggling document and recitation. Surah Rum uh, is what uh, Sheikh Rizwan will be uh, covering in these reflections uh, throughout the month, inshallah. We have uh, just touched upon the first few ayahs uh, and the commentary of it. Uh, the fourth ayah of Surah Rum, Lillahi al-amru min qablu wa min ba'd wa yawma idhin yafrahu al-mu'minun. So in happy times and in sad times, this is an ayah to remember. Allah, all power belongs to Allah both before and after. On the day will be on, on that day will the believers rejoice. That's all the time we have for today. Inshallah, tomorrow again at seven uh, till iftar time. Uh, we will be with you with reflections with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Until then, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Okay, inshallah. Okay, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.